Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. I'm really excited to continue our journey through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're going to move to Jesus' teaching on prayer in chapter 6. We're going to begin at verse 5. Jesus says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Then your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, how will be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This teaching on prayer is so important for us right now in this season. I really get the sense that God is wanting to lead us as his people into a deeper posture of prayer. And so to, go in, to dig into this passage, I want to look at the context first, how Jesus uh, leads up to the Our Father and what he says afterwards. And we'll dig into the actual prayer with James Walton and Wendy Hinman in just a few minutes. So let me give us some context. First, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. In Luke 11, the context of this uh, prayer is actually Jesus himself is praying and his disciples, seeing how Jesus is praying, asks him, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like you do? So clearly Jesus here is teaching us how to pray and that's what I'm hoping we'll get out of this time together today in the service, that we'll learn how to pray not only like Jesus, but also learn to pray with him in line with his heart. So the, again, the context is Jesus is first talking about how the Pharisees and how the religious leaders pray. And in particular, he's talking about how they pray to impress other people. So first, Jesus is cautioning us, we don't need to pray in a way that is trying to impress other people. So he's inviting us to not be concerned about what other people think about our praying. And to, to actually believe that as we pray in secret, that God, who is unseen, is gonna move mightily in our life. Secondly, Jesus is inviting us to not try to impress him. And so he's like, you know, don't with all your words try to convince God of your case or don't think that by praying a certain way that then you're gonna get God on your side. I just love this invitation. This is Jesus reminding us that we don't need to impress him. And that's an invitation to be direct, simple, and honest with him about what we need because he already knows what our needs are. And then what's really interesting is the way that Jesus finishes this section on prayer. He, he starts talking about the need to forgive one another and that's really powerful. He says that if you, you're for, as you're forgiving people, you're gonna experience more of God's forgiveness in your own life. The reason why I think this is so significant is because it shows us that as our life of prayer is growing and maturing, it is gonna have a radical reorienting effect on the way we relate to people. 
our prayer life is meant to radically change the way that we relate to people. That's how powerful um, Jesus' prayer life is, and he's inviting us into that power. So to dig deeper into the actual line by line, our Father prayer, I wanna invite James Walton and Wendy Hinman to join us, and with them, we're gonna dig deeper into it and unpack what it means for our life together. So join me as we dig, dig, dig into this in a discussion. All right, guys, so before we get started and get into this amazing discussion we're about to have, I wanna just bring us back to the scripture and read once again Jesus' prayer. So here we go. Beginning in verse uh, nine, Jesus prays this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thanks you guys for helping us dig into this a little bit more. Um, I wanna open up with this initial question of what is Jesus teaching us about prayer through this written prayer that he has here? Wendy, can you kick us off? Matthew was the first book of the Bible I ever read. Okay. And I grew up in an atheist household. Wow. And I didn't understand anything about prayer. So when I got to this, I didn't know that it was the great Our Father. Hmm. I just knew that Jesus was kind of giving building blocks to know how to pray, who we're praying to and what we're asking for. Wow, now was this a prayer that your family would recite together or was it just something you read by yourself in the Bible? Did it have some place in your family life? Well, none because my parents were atheists. Oh, that's right, right. So, yeah, so we didn't, you know, we would go to a wedding and go, what is this place? Wow, when, you know, actually, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you were raised in an atheist family, so that's powerful. So you're reading this, and when you read it, you were reading it fresh for the first time, not having any experience with it before. Yeah, it was just like, you know, it's like Jesus was teaching me like a kindergartner. This is how we pray. Wow. Can, do you remember the impression that this prayer made on you at that time? Yeah, well, the Father, praying to the Father, Yeah, it, it really focused who, who it was for, who it was on, and then the, the translation I was reading said, holy is your name. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, what does that mean? It sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds amazing, but yeah. I don't know what that, yeah. that yeah. means. Well, I actually think in some translations, it's hallowed be your name, and that can be kind of confusing. What does that even mean to be hallowed? So maybe because some translations have that, if they, you know, hallowed be your name, what does that mean? Can you, do you, can you have any idea about that, James? Can you simplify that? Yeah, I mean, every time I read that, right, I think the, like, there's no other thing that we can compare like holiness or hallowedness to. Yeah. Like really, there's nothing that we can grasp. Be like, oh, it's that. It's like God is the only kind of like reference point That's of good. holiness. And so, um, you know, he brings it in in such like a personal way, like our father, but then like, so it's like this conversation, it's this closeness, but then he says, hallowed be your name. It's like, it's right. not something to just be like, uh, taken lightly. It's something that is set apart, something that is yeah. so valuable and important that deserves our reverence. And so it's such a balance of like, this is a personal conversation of a holy God, you know? So it's yeah. really interesting how he kind of brings us into that. Yeah, so it kind of captures a posture that we have towards God and his character, that he is awe-inspiring, that he is to be reverenced and to be honored. 
above all other names, above all other people. Okay, that's powerful. Um, James, what, since you're talking you know, right now, what, what else about this passage uh, does Jesus teach us about prayer? Yeah, I mean, I think this is like, it's such a short prayer, but it unpacks so many life lessons, so many pillars yeah. of how we are to interact with God on mm. so many different levels. So um, there is value in just reciting it, but I find myself kind of digging into each point. Like it reveals so much of my character, so much of God's character, so much of how we're meant to interact in kind of every single part that I don't think it's just meant to be like a single pill we swallow and we're done with. Like That's each good. aspect has like an application that we're to interact with. Like specifically when it talks about forgiveness like you utter that like forgive us of our debts like god forgive me but then like it immediately follows up as we have forgiven our debtors and that's like oh wait have i done that you know like yeah. you can't just say that and be like oh i've done that i've forgiven everybody who's harmed me no it's that's right it, you gotta like you gotta deal with that you gotta sit with that and be like god like i want your forgiveness but like there's some grudges that I'm holding on to. Like you got to sit with that and kind of make sure you're dealing that before God, especially as he follows it up 14 for, if you give others their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. And so that's like a critical Mm -hmm. aspect to be like, Oh, if I want God's forgiveness, I got to go and extend it. So there's this application. I feel like throughout this prayer, uh, not something that's just meant like it is valuable to have it memorized to like come before God and interact with him in that way. But there's so much application in this scripture. Well, what's really powerful about just the way we just started this conversation was it helps us see that in this prayer, Jesus is creating this bridge between the, the holiness in the otherness of God, like God is holy and amazing and in some senses beyond our comprehension and he's connecting that in this one prayer all the way to like the way we relate to each other. So there's this bridge between how we view God and how we view each other and how we treat each other on the most fundamental and basic level, forgiveness. Because it feels like especially in days like today where we're kind of locked in our homes with our roommates, our friends, our family, uh, we're probably gonna need to practice a lot more forgiveness. I know I've had to do that in my home and my family's had to do that with me. You know, you're, you're around people in confined spaces, maybe a little bit more than normal. We're out of our routine a little bit more than we're used to. And so there's a need to be more gracious with each other. But I just love that what's coming out right now, this idea that in this prayer, Jesus is showing us that there's radical implication with the way we view God and how we, as a result, treat each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. So when we look at this prayer, what other aspects of it are challenging for you, Wendy? When you read this prayer, you're inspired by God and this invitation to view him as holy. Uh, but what challenges you in this prayer? I think the kingdom come. Kingdom come. Hmm. I have written on a card um, that I don't have to settle for yeah. earth as earth, but I, right now, I can live, I can act, I can pray, I can respond as in heaven, so on earth. Wow. And it's a challenge, but if I think about, you know, like James is talking about these relationships, bringing in heaven, is this the atmosphere of heaven, the way you know, is my, my kindness or my uh, attitude, is it, is it kingdom come? Yeah. How does Jesus' life reflect that prayer? That's a powerful statement. May your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. How do we see that prayer embodied in Jesus's life? Do you have any, can you point to any examples in the way that Jesus did his ministry, James? Well, I think first off, you know, when you say like your kingdom come, like unpacking like kingdom, what is kingdom? Uh, and in, in an easy point of reference is being like a kingdom is a place where there is a king, right? That's good. And that aspect, the kingdom also represents the governance of God. Like there's so much in that, but like ultimately it boils down to there's a king. And so when Jesus walks, yeah. like he is the king, yeah. like walking on earth. And I think that's such an important thing. Um, I'm often reminded of just, uh, I met um, some people who lived in the country of Jordan and they have a king and the way that they refer to their king, the way that they talk about their king, how their king loves the people and will come and be with the people and bring resolve to the problems of the people. Um, it's such a different implication of governance of this personal king who will come and be and bring restoration. So uh, I think how Jesus really embodies that he like he is the king. So when we like we're asking God, we want what you want. Like we were asking Jesus to come to these streets and come and make things right. And so yeah. that's an element. It's not the it's not the full picture, but it's a simplified version that a kingdom has a king and Jesus is that king. Yeah, it makes me think about his life where when we see him healing people. When we see him teaching, like you were saying earlier, about forgiveness, when we see him reaching out his hand and touching the untouchable, the lepers, the people who are unclean and having to be separated from society, we see him demonstrating what it looks like for the will of God to be done on earth as it currently is happening in heaven. He's given us a living demonstration of what heaven looks like on earth. And that's a powerful thing to be praying for. And I think we really feel the need for that right now. Um, practically speaking, what does that mean for us today in the circumstances that we're in to be praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? What could that look like for us, Wendy? Well, I was thinking with give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. And we have seven kids and most of them are doing well, but a couple of them are hourly wage workers. And it just made me think when, when we were talking about what does the kingdom look like? Jesus at uh, the marriage of Cana, yeah. it was a feast. And a feast is what the kingdom is like. And there is enough. And they ran wow. out of wine. And he came and he turned water into wine to say, there is enough. <laughs> That's a powerful yeah. picture. When he just fills up those six vats uh, of water with wine, it's like 180 gallons of wine. And he provides the best wine at the end. It's a picture of heaven on earth. That's a great picture. Keep going, but I love and that. And there's, there's, um, there's enough. It's time for us who have enough to share with those who don't. Wow. And so we called one of our daughters and just said, we want you to know that we're still getting paid. There, you have a safety net. Yeah. And it was really good for her to hear that from her father that there is enough. That's so cool. I was just actually just reading a text from somebody talking about how there's acts of kindness happening out there where you get this little glimpse of God's will on earth as is in heaven. And it, you know, there's been a lot of rushing to the grocery store trying to load up the carts and fear that we're not gonna get the things we want. So that's that scarcity thing you're talking about. And this person um, was rushing in and then stopped and, saw and allowed someone to go in front of them who was, who was an elderly person and was going slower, mm -hmm. and actually stopped other people and said, hey, let's let this person go in first. Mm -hmm. And someone texted that to me and was encouraged, like, you know, there's still signs in the midst of this scarcity and fear, there's signs of 
God's grace in our midst. I think it's really cool. But I like what you're saying also that um, God's will on earth as it is in heaven is, is in the daily provision of what we need. And this prayer in, invites us to not over-spiritualize things, but to feel the freedom and to know that God cares about the intimate, detailed needs of our life. Today. Today. That's important because we get caught up in tomorrow. What do you, yeah, go for it, James. Uh, I was thinking about the Israelites um, when God pulls them out of Egypt. Um, something, one of the early things that he begins to do is he begins to feed them in this journey, right? And he begins to provide manna. Yeah. But the provision of manna and the way that he sets it up was in a daily manner. That like yeah. if they took too much or if they took food for tomorrow, it would go bad. Like he was setting a tone from the beginning that like I'm going to provide for you like day by day. Yeah. And only on like the day before Sabbath would he provide now take enough for tomorrow. And then that bread, that specific mm-hmm. one didn't go yep. rotten. And so it's he wanted to provide daily and he was setting a tone. And like as we talked about, like give us this our daily bread. It definitely points back to like this this idea of how God interacts with us on a daily basis. It keeps us constantly coming to him for our daily provision. And mm. I think that's so huge. And I think like a why is there scarcity about like tomorrow? It's just, it's a fear. It's an unknown. It's will I have enough? And so therefore I need to get like all that I can to make sure that I have enough where Jesus is inviting us to daily operate out of his provision, to daily interact with them, to come to him for more. And that's such, you know, that's such a perspective change. And I think this prayer, like Wendy and I were mm. discussing this, this prayer is such a take a heavenly perspective in your life. And I think that's huge to kind of interact with. That, you know, I know we're doing this for the sake of all of our church family in their homes, but I'm, I'm, it, this is really hitting me personally. I mean, to be honest, in the last few days in particular, I have felt a fear about the future. I have been wondering, do we have enough toilet paper? <laughs> I didn't make it to the store and, and get any, you know, so we're kind of just, whatever we have, we have. And, um, I've been feeling that. Yeah. And I've, I've just, I'm loving this invitation right now to trust God with my daily needs. I think when I start, you know, anxiety is a future-oriented sort of mental sort of, I guess they call it, you know, a mental disorder. You know, you, you get caught up in fear because you're looking to the future and Jesus is like bringing us back to the present mm-hmm. and taking us out of that anxious space and he's grounding us in the promise of his um, provision for us today, right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important right now because I think a lot of us are feeling uncertain about the future. And I think this daily practice of bringing those needs that we sense that we have, mm-hmm. bringing those, un- those uncertainties to God, bringing them to God today, and letting him anchor us in the present is super important. Um, I actually think we should just pause for a moment and, and pray right now. Do you mind if I just do that for us? Let's just pray right now. Father, I just wanna lead us in prayer to trust you with all of our needs toilet paper, our finances, our health, when our kids are returning to school. There's just a lot about the future we just don't know and right now we can't know. And so Father, we surrender to you the things we cannot know, the things we cannot control. 
we acknowledge that you are holy, that you are on the throne of heaven and you rule over this earth and you are present and near to us in the midst of our present need. Nothing is too small for you. Nothing is too big. And we pray now, give us today our daily bread. Help us to take it one day at a time. Guard us from getting too caught up in the future. But to trust your promise that in you we're gonna have all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. That made me think of that William Cowper hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And it, and it says, ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in mercies on your head. Wow, that's so powerful. Thanks for sharing that, Wendy. You know, there was something earlier we were talking, Wendy, that you were sharing. You were sharing too about, because uh, that's kind of like a, a, prescri- like a prayer that you have kind of memorized. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's been, the way this prayer's been used for centuries since Jesus gave it, it's been used as a prescribed written prayer that we can go back to to find our bearing when we're not sure how to pray. And you were sharing about an experience with that with Ignatius of Loyola and how you've been learning to lean on to pr- into prayers that have already been written to help orient you in how to pray in the moment. Can you just share that Ignatius of Loyola prayer that you gave, you were sharing yeah. there? Yeah, it, it was a couple of lengths ago I was doing the exercises of Ignatius Loyola, and I'd never done prescribed, you know, like you said, prescribed prayers, but I discovered the anima Christe, which means Christ animate me, you know, his being, mm. and, it, and it reads, soul of Christ sanctify me, body of Christ save me, blood of Christ inebriate me, water from the side of Christ wash me, passion of Christ strengthen me, O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the wicked enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me. And bid me come unto thee, that with all thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. You know, there's something so powerful about that. And at this moment, I want to just transition us to a couple application points for our audience. And I want to just throw out an idea here. Um... This Jesus prayer is an outline of how to pray, but it's also a way for us to get out of the confines of a moment and expand our perspective on how we can connect with God. And I sense that with that prayer that you're bringing, it kind of gives you a bigger picture of how to pray than you otherwise might feel the ability to pray in a moment. And that's the value of prescribed prayers. And I wanna just encourage you guys to maybe throughout the day, take a pause with the family, with your roommates, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and just pray that simple prayer that our Father, pray through it together. Maybe ask your kids around the table, hey, what part of that prayer is getting your attention right now? What part feels like it's tugging on your heart? Another thing my family has been doing along the lines of prescribed prayer has been using this little book, it's called The Divine Hours, and it has uh, a guide through prayer for the morning, the afternoon, and the evening, actually seven times in the day. It has some psalms in there, and it really, for each prayer session, if you were just to read it through, it would only take four minutes. So like last night, we were huddled in our bed, all of our kids were with us at the end of the day, and I just handed it to my daughter, and I said, hey, why don't you read this first part? And she read through 
some of the written prayers, some of the Psalms, handed it to my son. And as we're doing that, I can just feel the prayers enlarging my capacity to pray in a way that I didn't feel I could have before we had done that. So I wanna encourage you guys this week to consider how Jesus' prayer might encourage you, might guide you in this time, and might open a door for you to go deeper with him into a life of prayer together. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.